we all got here safely tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray that we get something from Dan's message tonight, Lord, that uh, it'll impact our uh, our lives tonight. Not uh, only in youth, Lord, tonight, but everywhere we go. Um, in these things, I pray. Amen. Amen. Please, please help us get something out of Dan's message, please. I agree with that prayer, my friend. All right, y'all doing good? All right, we're going to jump jump into this. Um, we're in the book of, written by, he also wrote the book of, he's a what by trade? A doctor. Very good. I've got that down. If, if, um, if you're new here, we sort of do that every week. We've been in the book of Acts only since August of last year. So you all should know that by now. We're going slowly. We're in Acts 9. We're actually at the end of Acts 9 tonight. And we're in a passage. Uh, this is a little, this, I'm a little loud, Caden. This is a little loud. Um, I'm in a passage where you're going to read it. If you were just to read it as we've gone on, you go, well, I've heard these stories. We've already talked about stories like this. There's a guy who, 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 who can't, can't walk, who, who is, is, is healed. And there's, there's, there's someone who's dead, who's brought back to life. And it, it, it comes in the context, we've, we've sort of seen these stories already in the book of Acts. So sometimes you read it and you skim right through it. And you go, oh, I've already read that, I've already learned what there is. But I think the stories are in here a lot of times, not to be skimmed over, but to remind us of some powerful truths about who God is. And if you're like me, I have to be reminded of things often. Uh, and I think this is something... Uh, Many things are important to God, but when the Scripture says something over and over and over and over, take note because God knows that we're like sheep and we're slow and we, we are weak and we don't get things right, and, and He knows we need help. And so this is, this is one of those texts which there's powerful truth right here. In this story, you go, oh, yeah, guys healed, heard the story, but don't miss this powerful truth that's here, okay? Are, are you with me? Yes, I need everybody, if you will stand up with me. We're going to stand as we just read this first part of Scripture in honor of God's holy and perfect Word. It's going to be in Acts chapter 9. You can follow along on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you, beginning in verse 32. And it says this, We've just let, left the story of Saul, and now it jumps here to Peter. Verse 32, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was par- par- paralyzed. And P- Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Let- let's pray one more time. Dear God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the chance just to talk through your scripture tonight, Lord. And I just ask for you to move. I need your help. I need always need your help. We just need you uh, just to speak to us tonight. Uh, and God, just just I think I I thank you. You love us. You pursue us, and you meet us where we are. And in in this room right now, Lord, as we've had weeks that are, are some have been very busy, some have been rough. Some have been smooth, Lord, whatever the week has been, Lord, that we'll just lay all that aside and that we will hear you tonight. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, have a seat. So we see Peter here. We've seen him some in the book of Acts. It jumps back to him. There's a guy named 
Aeneas, who's been bed- bedridden for eight years. That means he has been unable to get out of bed for eight years on his own. If he's got to go to the bathroom, he's got to get help or someone's got to clean him up. He cannot bathe. He cannot get his own food. He is stuck in one spot, helpless. Don't miss that. Bedridden for eight years, who was par- par- paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. Now, we've heard this story over and over and over in Acts, but I want you to hear this first point. And this is the first point. And the first point and the, the second point are really close, and they're going to come really quick. The first point is this. God fixes broken things. Now, I don't know about you, but that is great news for me to hear because when I think of broken things, I cannot help but think of myself. I think we all can take a look where we are away from our friends and we're away from Facebook and how we, we, we've got to make sure that shot we get on there or our profile pic looks good and you know, we make sure we got the best angle and uh, I've got to make sure I suck in my double chin or triple chin. You know, you got to get everything just right because you want to look right. But when we're away from that world where we're trying to, everybody's trying to look so good and so great and the truth is nobody is. When we're away from that and we, we really admit to ourselves, we will very quickly say, yeah, I'm one of those that's broken. Uh, I need help every day. I, um, and some, you're, it's just you're insecure about yourself. Some, you just can't seem to stand on your feet. You know what God is saying, dude, you just can't get there, and you're going, I'm broken. And the first good news t- t- tonight, the Scripture wants to remind us is God fixes broken things. This guy was paralyzed, bedridden for eight years. He cannot, uh, and it's just think, in the society he, li- he, 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 he lives in, he is helpless, useless, and hopeless. He, he cannot help himself. He cannot help anybody else, and there's no hope for him. He's going he's gonna to live his days there, and just some, some, some who take care of him may be just going, man, I'm just waiting for him to die. I'm tired of taking care of him. He's hope, helpless, useless, and hopeless. And I guarantee everybody in this, in this room, everybody in this room feels that from time to time. <clears throat> in the so- society that he was in, you understand a ba- ba- baby that was born, and if it was born with a weak cry or a deformed limb, or if the, the, the patriarch of the home looked at it and thought it looked weak at all, he would not touch the child, and that was a sign that that child was not a part of the of the family. And they would take the 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 weak child out, and they would stick it around the trash dump outside of the city for the weather to kill it, for an animal to kill it. But it was not a part of their home. That that was the way the world was. So understand, this guy was helpless and useless, and that's what everybody thought of him. Now look at verse 34. God fixes broken things, point one. Aeneas, Jesus Christ, heals you. Peter just walks up to it, and in an instant, he's changed. And then he says these words. He says, he says rise up and make your bed. Sort of an interesting thing. But do you understand? He's been paralyzed, bedridden for eight years. He's not helped himself 
in eight years. And he doesn't just say, rise up and you're healed. He says, rise up and make your bed. And if, if you look at the words, it means, hey, hey, pick up and fold up your mat that you've been laying on. Pick it up and fold up. Make yourself useful. See, point one, God f- fixes broken things. Point two, God fixes and uses broken things. He doesn't only fix broken things. He uses broken things. He's telling this guy, hey, get up, and now it's time to get to work. And we see at the end in verse 35 um, that he he does use uh, the broken things, but I'll get there in a second. Uh, Now, what does that look like for you and me? What what does this God fixing and using broken things look like for you and me? Now, understand this, and I'm going to speak out of my story, and that's what I, I can best speak out of. You can best speak out of your story when you speak the truth of God to friends, to family, to folks that you meet. You speak out of your story, what God has done. Um, And understand this, sometimes God doesn't fix us physically like we'd want to. Now, some of y'all are going to freak out about this, but I stutter. I know. You're like, no, really? Get out. Are you serious? Um, See, I grew up as a teenager in a non-Christian home, and I had the firm belief in God. I believe God was real. I could look at the world and go, man, this couldn't, this not by chance. But I believe that God was a God that had made this world, that had spun it into existence, and even made me, but he messed up on me. And he had just sort of left, and really God wasn't around. He just made the world. He made us. He just did, didn't care. That's what I, I grew up believing. Because why? Because how could a caring God let me, as a five-year-old, begin to, to talk weird and funny and stand out in the crowd, uh, where as I was six and seven in school, and you, you would get picked on some. I wasn't picked on a lot because I, I fought a lot. Probably not, who knows. But I still was. I was insecure. I was, I was quiet because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to be cool when you can't say your name. You know, it's like, hey, I'm, I'd make up a new name, Dave. You know, and so uh, yeah, well, you would, I would do things. In math, if I couldn't say the right response they asked for, I would say the wrong one because I knew I could say the wrong one, if, even if I knew the right one, just to, just to sort of get, get by. But one day, God changed all that in my life. See, I became a believer in Jesus Christ and put my faith in him as a 16-year-old going into my senior year of school, and my life changed. Everything changed. I believe that God loved me, that God cared about me. Still wasn't sure why he let me be the way I was, but I figured it was just sin in the world, and I was just sort of a, a mess up. And we've all got some issues, and so I was just going to live. And for years, a few years after that, God called me to be a youth pastor on staff at a church, and I told God, you're smoking crack. That's what I, that's what I, I told. I said, there's no way I'm going to ever do that. I, my mouth doesn't work. And um, I was just one day in the scriptures on my own. This is why it's so important. It's why it's so important because this changed my life and it can change yours in an instant that you get in the scripture on your own and don't just wait for someone to spoon feed you here in the edge or in church. You've got to read it on your own. I was just reading it on my own and I realized in Exodus 4 where, where, where Moses, he, he, he calls him out and says, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt in Moses says, God, I'm, I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm slow of mouth and tongue. It's what he says. We don't know if he just didn't like to talk, if he stuttered. We don't know. 
but he didn't want to do it. And God said, who made man's mouth? Who made him deaf, dumb, or blind? Am I not the Lord? Am I not still God? Did I not make them or you the way I made you? And when I read that and I understood it, because Moses at that point still went, oh, but God, I can't do it. It says the anger of God burned against him. Now, I have had enough issues and rough times in life. I did not need the anger of God burning against me for, for me to say, no, God, I can't, I can't speak in front of folks. I can't work in the church. And at that point, my life changed because I understood this. God made me, made this, wherever it works this way, with a, a purpose and a plan. Now, um, you know, God fixes and uses broken things. There was a story I was going to jump in here that was a great illustration that I've heard for years and years. I thought, ooh, this is just really good about how we're like sheep and he's the good ship, shepherd and, 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 and uh, you know, he'll pursue us. And, and, and if we run off too much because sheep are dumb. Hey, you're dumb. Everybody look up here. Yeah, you're dumb. I want you all to see. Yep. Amen, brother. Um, you're, you're, we are sheep, guys. Put your phones down unless you've got the word open. That's all I'm asking. Very good. Um, uh, we, we, we are dumb. We, are, we get lost. We get, the sheep are gross. They're nasty. They get stuff all in their wool. They need help all the time. And there's a story where the, the sheep goes off and goes off. So the shepherd who looks after the sheep goes after and he finds the sheep and he takes the sheep. And you know what he does to the sheep? He breaks its leg because he loves the sheep, and he puts the sheep on his, on his thing, and he talks at sheep, and that leg heals up, and the sheep learns his voice because the sheep is with him all the time. I don't know. Have y'all not heard this story before? Because I've heard it preached quite a few times. And can I, can I tell you this? It's just not true. You don't really, because the sheep's going to be terrified. You're going to break his leg again. I mean, there's a lot of fear. It's just this. It's, it's not It's not true. It was preached in 1957 one time, and everybody's run with it since. That's what I could find out on it. So I thought, that story does not work at all. But there's another story where you break a sheep, but it's not B-R-E-A-K, break. It's B-R-A-K-E, like you put the brakes on in your car. And when a sheep would, would, would go off, what the shepherd would do was he would put a weight and tie it to the leg of the sheep. So it would have to drag that weight around so it couldn't get too far. So it would always tend to stay close to him because it, it, it couldn't run or, or roam free. And that's how he taught it to stay with him. And I say this whole story about this because do you understand this brokenness in me is one of the best things that ever happened to me? By far. And I hate it. I, I hate the fact that sometimes I come up here and I'm just jumbling over words and it's like Moses, whoa, worst word ever. Got to change his name. But, but there's just, I, I, I hate it. It drives me nuts. But I do understand this. Uh, if I did not have this stutter in my life, if God did not allow me to have this stutter in my life, I would no way be the man that I am today. I would no way, I don't know if I would follow God or seek after God because God has used this break, B-R-A-K-E, to draw me close to him because I've got to, because I can't make it on my own. I can't do these things he wants me to do unless, unless I stay close to him. And there's things about every one of you, you're like, man, I hate this about myself. I hate that. I'm just not good at it. I'm not ever going to be used by God. And I want you to change your perspective on this. 
Because that weakness in you that you hate might be the greatest thing that God can use in your life. You just have to change your perspective on what God is doing. See, God fixes and uses broken things. Are you with me? Yes? Eyes up still? Now, in verse 35, it says, shows where God uses Aeneas to draw other people to himself by just what God did as he healed him. He said, it says, and all the, the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Man, God used him right there. I, I wonder how else he did, but I believe that, he, that this wasn't the only turning point. Then we go to verse 36. First two points, that was it. God uses broken things. He fixes broken things. No, chapter 9, verse 36. Let's just read along for a, a little bit here. Now, there was in Jop, Jop, Joppa a disciple named Tab, 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 Tabitha, which translated means dor, 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 Dorcas. That's sort of sad uh, name today, but you know that's an older person name, right? Have you ever met one? Someone named Dor, Dor, Dorcas? They're like, that's my middle name. <laughs> Sorry, Noah. Shh, I won't tell anybody. Um, and it says this about her. She was full of good works and acts of char- charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the, the widows stood beside him, weeping and, and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. Third point, simple, straight up point. And these points are just... Straight up, but I think it's what God wants to remind us is God brings dead things to life. God brings dead things to life. Now, y'all, y'all, um, y'all, y'all are used to move, movies and Beauty and the Beast or whatever film you may see and something dies and then <gasps> magic occurs and it comes back. Those are movies, okay? When something is dead, it's, it's dead. You got it, dead. Does anybody, I had the thought of getting like a, man, man, a mannequin type thing and having it on a stre- stretcher and wheeling that thing out here with a sheet on top of it. That could look pretty, pretty wild, right? Or give you, that would that, that'd be good. That'd be good. So, so, so if something is dead, it's, it's dead. Now, where it talks about um, her, it says, um, but, but, Peter in verse 40 put them all aside, knelt down and prayed, and turning to the, the body. The word for body right there is, is corpse. Okay, it, it, it's not just a body, it's, it's a corpse. That's, that's a dead, decaying, disgusting body. That, that's what is uh, occurring right there at that m- moment. Now, it's interesting to say that she was a good woman who did 
did, did good works. Uh, and even those that were there were wearing clothes that she had, she had made for them. So she was, she was a, a giver. Now, that's not why Peter is there. That's not why God is doing God isn't going, I'm going to save her because she's done good works. That's just something they talk about. She did good things. But that's not contingent on why she was, 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 was saved. Now, this story sounds a lot like in Mark chapter 5 when Jesus heals a, a little girl. And this is what it says in verse 30, 39. Jump, jump there in Mark 5, uh, Liam. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside just like he did. And he, t- he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and, w- and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand. He said, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. Now, it's an interesting fact from that story, Jesus heals the, the small girl. And he says in Aramaic, he says to her, Talitha, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl arise. Peter says here, Tabitha Kaum, which means Tabitha arise. Get up. So there's only one letter difference. Now this would this would have been noted by everybody who read this letter in Acts. When they read this story and saw that phrase, they would immediately go back and, and think of this Mark 5 story and what where Jesus did the exact step, exact same things. Now, now, don't miss this point. The third point, very important. God is in the business of bringing dead things to life. Now, Ephesians 2 says this. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this, this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Okay, you were, you were dead. Know that everybody in this room no, I don't care if you were raised in church and saved at the age of one, willing to talk if that's what you believe. Everybody in this room, you were dead in your trespasses, which is our sins. You were, you were dead. You, you were a corpse. But in, verse, in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive to, together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. goes on saying in Colossians 2, it talks about this as well, and it says this, and you who were dead in your trespasses. Don't miss that. We were dead in our trespasses, and God's in the business of bringing dead to life. It goes on in Colossians 2, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive, together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By what? By canceling the the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. Do you know that we we sin, and and there's a price of sin. There's a debt that's got to be paid. If if somebody wrongs you, and they, they hurt you, or, or, or even kill someone that you love, and that person goes, they're caught, and they go to court, and the judge says, oh, it's okay, we'll let you off this time, but don't do it again. Would you be mad? Why? Because justice has not been served. 
a wrong has not been made right. They can't, and, and, and that won't make all wrongs right, but there's ju- justice that is involved. And, and right here in Colossians 14, it says, by, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal, legal demands. This, it says, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Do you know that that, that debt that you owed, that, that wrath of God that should come on you because of your sin, he took it, and laid it on the cross. Jesus Christ was on the cross, and that wrath that was meant for you went to him. That's why Jesus on the cross says, Father, um, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the first time ever the Father and Son have been separated ever. First time ever God turns his back on the Son. Why? Because the, the, the debt, the weight, the disgustingness of sin has been laid on the sun, and he's paying the price. God is in the business of bringing dead to life. Don't miss the passage here because it's so important for us to see, man, that's happened in, in my life. I hope it's, it's happened in your life or it might be happening in your life where, 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 where God's beginning to speak to you, that you're beginning to understand that you sin. And there's a, a problem with that, that your sin separates you from God. And there's no way that, that you can fix it. We try to do good. Well, I'll do good. I'll do better than them. But it's not our comparison is not who we sit next to. Our comparison is are, are we sinful or not? God is pure without sin. We are sinful. We, we, we've got to get help. That's why he sent his son to live a life without sin, to do everything right. And in doing everything right, Everything wrong was placed on him. He took it. Why? Because God, God loves us. He loves us in a way in this world that d- doesn't make sense. He, he loves us in a way where it says, I'm going to love you no, no matter what you do to me. I'm still going to love you. That's a love that God, it's an unconditional love. There's, he's going to give it because he chooses to give it. Man, there's so much we can learn from that. So don't miss that, that God fixes broken things. God, God fixes and uses broken things like you and me. And he wants to for the rest of your life. And God brings dead things to life. You know, I, I couldn't, couldn't help but, but think about that song, uh, and like a, a river of life in a dry land, like a flicker of sight to a blind man, I saw the glorious light as it broke through. God of mercy in my oh, you brought me back to life. Have you heard that song before? Yeah, you're the Lord of light shining in the dark. You're the source of life beating in my heart. You're the living hope. You're the risen Christ. You restore my soul. Oh, you brought me back to life. Man, that's, that's rejoicing what God has done for us. I hope when you, you look at this text and, and if you skim through it again and you read through it again, you go, oh, God, thank you that you don't give up. Thank you that you fix what's broken. Thank, thank you that you use what you fix, and thank you that that you brought death to life. You brought that. He's done it in my life. I hope he's done it in your life. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the gift of your son, just for your truth that we just got to talk about, and two stories that are familiar uh, uh, stories about folks being healed and folks being changed. Uh, But God, there's so much truth in this. And Lord, May it be not something that we just hear and walk away from, 
But Lord, may it affect us. May it, may it, may it, may it touch us. Lord, I ask that you'll use us um, to be a light for you as, as some go home, as some go to Chick-fil-A tonight, as some will be going to school tomorrow. Um, where, wherever you take us, Lord, help us be a light for you. And Lord, if anything, may we just speak about what you've done for us with those that we're around. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, that's all we got. Have, have a good one.